This is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is that Sunday each year when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit and what we call the birth of the church, really. And we begin, of course, by reading the passage from Scripture that describes that to us. So this Pentecost Sunday, today we read Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia— Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even one of my servants, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pentecost is a Jewish celebration. The word means 50th because it comes 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. In the calendar of Jewish feasts, which is created and and mentioned in Leviticus 23, there is essentially an outline of the ministry of Jesus. It's really easy to see if you know what you're looking for. The Passover celebration, it gives us an indication of the death of the Lamb in order that the people might have the wrath of God pass over them. And Jesus is the Lamb who is sacrificed in the New Covenant. The Feast of First Fruits is a picture of Jesus' resurrection. And it is, as the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians, Jesus who is the first fruits of the resurrected dead. And then 50 days later, after this Feast of First Fruits, we have Pentecost, which is a picture of the, coven, of the coming of the covenant law 
And for us the Christians, it is the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is the heart of the law. And so these celebrations parallel perfectly with the life of Jesus. And Jesus gives them a new and more complete meaning. Jesus being the sacrificial lamb that is the end of a sacrificial system of blood offerings for our sin. And it is Jesus who is raised from the dead as a resurrection, not as a reanimation, and therefore firstborn of the, the, the resurrected dead, something we look forward to on the day of his return. And Jesus then is the sign of the heart of the law. Remember how Jesus said that they were experts in the letter of the law, but they didn't understand the heart or the spirit of the law? We get the spirit of the law on Pentecost. You shouldn't miss the fact that Pentecost falls on a Sunday. We worship on Sundays in Christian tradition because it was the day of Jesus' resurrection, the day after the Sabbath. But the feasts that are represented here were all celebrated on the first day of the week, the day after the Sabbath, which is the last day of the week. In other words, Sabbath day is Saturday, and Sunday is the first day of the week, and all of these feasts were celebrated on Sunday. So naturally, we started celebrating worship as Christians on the church's birthday, Sunday. So when we look at this Pentecost event, what we need to understand is it didn't come as a result of their prayer, but as the fulfillment of God's plan. The timing was precise, and it meant something specific. When they were doing the uh, Passover offering, you know that one pretty well because it's all about the lamb and the blood and everything. But in the first fruit celebration, there is a time when the priests would wave shocks of wheat in the air before God, giving thanks for the, the fruit of the labors and offering it as a grain offering to the Lord. But then at the time of Pentecost, he raises two loaves of bread before God and the people. And those two loaves represent the, the church uh, as it has come into Judaism and the church that has come into uh, the Gentile world. At least that's one interpretation, but an even better explanation is these loaves represent the old covenant and the new covenant. And it is specifically and precisely timed that we would receive the new covenant in its complete full nature on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit came like a flood. Now, I talked about this last week, but just keep in mind that if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see all these incidents right up until Pentecost, even in the New Testament, where the the Holy Spirit is sort of given out in little droplets. You know, it's uh, uh, applied with the eyedropper. God says, I need someone to do this in the Spirit of God, and plop, he gives it to him, and so forth. And so you see these specific people for specific occasions at specific times, receiving the Holy Spirit, but at Pentecost, it's as though God turns God's bucket full of the Holy Spirit upside down and pours it into this upper room where they all are. 
And it is such a profound event that the people can hear it even outside. They, there's this rushing sound and, and this appearance of tongues of fire, and it's all just kind of overwhelming. And this was a one-time deal. But it's important to picture in your mind's eye how this event sort of unfolded and how it's still unfolding today. Because the Holy Spirit comes as a flood poured out all in one. You know, we've had some rains like that lately, haven't we? You know, not just a little drizzle, but a gully washer just pours out. And instantly, ditches are filled with water. And, and uh, any place where there's not a sufficient uh, runoff, it just fills up. And you could just imagine this room where they were just being filled with the Holy Spirit as though they were swimming in the Holy Spirit. And then the doors burst open. And it flows out the doors. And it rushes through the city streets. And it gathers everyone up and calls their attention to something profound that has happened in their midst. And everybody's going, what is in the world is going on over there you've had that i'm sure where you were outside and you heard a strange sound a loud and unusual sound coming from some other place you guys remember when i first came here six years ago every now and again during the church service a jet fighter or something from one of the local air force bases would fly right over you remember that paul you know, and I can remember, of course, I noticed things like that because I was the new guy six years ago. I was like, holy smokes, is that the Holy Spirit? Well, if it is, it sounds like an A-10 warthog. But, but they'd fly over so low, the whole building would shake. And, and I kind of imagine that that must have been what it was like for people. It's like, whoa. And, but here's another thing that's really amazing because if you listen to the story, first they hear this rushing sound and they know something strange is going on. They don't know where it's coming from or what it's about. But this is, this is, Jerusalem is like an international airport in a big city at this moment because there are people from all over the world as they knew it there. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had the occasion to be in international airports in parts of the world where no one is speaking my language. I've been in places in the world where I didn't understand anything anybody was saying, and they didn't understand anything I was saying. And you know, the first voice that I hear, even if it's 150 yards away speaking English, I can pick it out. And all that noise and all that uh, ruckus and all those people having conversations in languages I don't understand. Someone is speaking English somewhere and I can hear it. I can hear it above the din because it's my language. It's, it's uh, words that I understand. And you're just naturally attracted to that. In fact, I, I didn't think of this this morning when I mentioned it, but I can remember when I was in Kazakhstan, it was kind of interesting because there would be people who would hear us speaking English and they would come to us to, uh, to, to have conversation with us because they were trying to learn English and they were attracted to anyone who was speaking English because they wanted to try out their English on you. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And so somebody else here has been to Kazakhstan. So, so we, we have that experience of, of, of really being drawn by the sound of your own language. So you can imagine then at Pentecost, these people from faraway places who feel like outsiders and foreigners in Jerusalem, and suddenly they hear someone speaking in their own language and they're just drawn to it. What's going on? There's other uh, uh, Phrygians here, of all the things I could have picked. It's the only one I can remember. Egyptians, Arabs. There are other people here speaking my language. And it's in the Bible. My daughter's mocking me up here. Anyway, the idea that is so remarkable here is 
They can't get it. They don't understand. It'd be one thing to go to that voice that sounds familiar to you and to see someone who looks familiar to you. I mean, let's face it, if you were in Africa or some place like that where you're unique because of your whiteness and you hear someone speaking English, you just expect them to be white and they're not. And suddenly you go, wait a minute, why is this guy from this little village in Africa speaking English so well? How did that happen? funny thing is, and I can't ever preach on Pentecost without talking about this line, because I just think it's a hilarious line in scripture. If you don't know how funny the Bible is, you're not reading it enough. There are lots of great jokes in the Bible. And here's the one that it just cracks me up. Peter says, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, think about that. And to put it in a more realistic way, people in that culture drank lots of wine, but not wine as we think of it. It's really just a fermented grape juice, and, and it was pre- preferable. I, I would say it's like us drinking soft drinks. You know, a lot of people would rather drink a soft drink than water. I don't know why, but we do, right? And we just get kind of addicted to that sweet, uh, sugary drink. And, and so they just drank a lot of wine in those days and their wine wasn't as potent as some of the wines you could get nowadays and uh, so Peter's just saying very matter-of-factly you know if it was nine o'clock at night they may have been drinking all day and they might be a little tipsy but here's something most of us know if we're adults is uh, drunk people do sometimes speak in tongues that are undiscernible but usually there's no one who can interpret their tongues either it's pretty much gibberish And so Peter says, look, it's nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. And besides, you can understand what we're saying. Just remember, by the way, when it comes to this whole thing about the gift of tongues, it is a very legitimate thing that the Spirit does in certain circumstances. And it's usually more, uh, more likely to happen in a place where that's considered, you know, God is gracious. God reaches us at our point of understanding. God reaches us where we are, just like Jesus reached out to the woman at the well. He went to her at the well. You know, he met her where she was. Some people need to hear that speaking in tongues in order to be reached by the Holy Spirit. And so in their setting and in that environment, it's more likely to happen. That doesn't mean it won't happen here, but it would probably be more difficult for us to accept here. And so God is gracious that way. But the, the, the speaking in tongues is a very legitimate gift. But the purest form of test is that it is a language that is unknown to the speaker, but it is known to someone else in the room. If someone interprets it, then you've probably seen a real manifestation of the Spirit leading someone to speak in tongues. So just keep that in mind for your future reference. Don't be frightened by it if it ever happens, but you'll know it's for real when someone says, I didn't know what I was saying, but someone else can tell you what they said. Now, back to this event. They heard the language of their mind and their heart and they understood and the message was plain it was the glory of God the love of God and the Holy Spirit came that day now Pentecost is not a a circumstance that needs to repeat itself because it was as a, a manner of speaking as though the Holy Spirit came into that room went out the doors went down into the city of Jerusalem and right there with the fulfillment of Christ's man uh, of, of his uh, mandate to go into the world and spread the good news that that holy spirit is just still flowing out the same way it's it's like the the biggest bucket dump ever 
And it's still going on. Wherever the people of God are, born-again believers, filled with the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit is there. And its outpouring is still happening. So we don't need to do Pentecost over again. What we need is to accept the Holy Spirit in our lives, to let, it, uh, let the Holy Spirit make over our nature, and, and in that way, let us be those... Uh, vessels through which the Spirit is poured into the world that we affect in our lives. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Just want to check in with you on this before we move to the communion service. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, or a person of the Trinity, the three who are God in one. Jesus didn't leave as much as Jesus let the Holy Spirit come. It's, it's important for us to understand that, that God the Father sends God the Son in order to fulfill specific tasks and purposes so that we could be entirely in harmony with God the Father, the Trinity, in a way that only the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, can make happen. The Trinity is a mystery. It's a little hard for us to understand and explain, but it is in fact its very mysterious nature that makes it real, you know, because if you could explain it, then it might not be God. So what does that mean to us? It means that when Jesus gave the Holy Spirit and at Pentecost, when it rushed into the world and is still outflowing to this day to all of us, it is the Holy Spirit that changes our inner workings and our inner nature so that we are no longer who we were before. We are still the same person on the outside. There's still the same bad habits. There's still the same manner of speech and all that. But this this same outpouring, when it comes into a new believer, is sort of infusing slowly the believer. You know, and in other words, this, this spirit is, should be seen as something that is, is full of energy and movement. It's always happening. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is always in motion. And so when the Holy Spirit becomes a part of your nature, when you are made new by the Holy Spirit, it isn't something that's going to change you overnight, although some people do have very profound experiences. The reality is that it's an ongoing process. In my own spiritual journey, this is how it has been. I'm sure that whatever we would say uh, quantifies uh, sa- uh, being saved, you know, whatever, you, however you want to express being saved. I was saved, I guess, a long, long, long time ago when I was very young, but I can't really point to a day and a single event. Some people can, and I think that's great. Just like when we were talking about speaking in tongues. Some people do that, some people don't. It's okay. There's no wrong answer or right answer here, but in my personal journey, it has been more of a series of landmark events throughout my lifetime that have marked you know, significant sanctifying transformation. In other words, even in the last months and years of my life, there have been these moments, these hallmark moments when I was aware that I had grown yet more in the Holy Spirit, which is to say that this process of movement of the Holy Spirit within and without never ends. So don't compare your spirituality or your Christianity to someone else's, just ask yourself, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to change me and make me more like Christ and less like the old me? That's, that's what you're really seeking. 
And the Spirit is what causes that. So here's my last word on the topic. Why then don't we make a bigger deal out of Pentecost? You will notice that the sinkhorns are all in red today. Now, we did that on purpose because I have been disappointed throughout many years of my life, and even long before I went into ministry, that Pentecost doesn't get its due. You'll notice that the altar linens and so forth are red. This is church tradition. Red is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that red flame on the United Methodist cross and flame is a, is a, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. These are, these are colors, but they remind us of something significant. And you know, it's always disappointed me that Christmas always draws a big crowd. Easter always draws a big crowd, but we have a pretty ordinary crowd when it comes to Pentecost Sunday. But if you really think biblically and think about it as a Christian believer, what you begin to understand eventually is Pentecost is the big day. Pentecost is the day that Christmas and Easter happened in order to create. In other words, the birth of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus were all geared towards making Pentecost possible. And what we seem to take the most for granted is the birth of the church. The church universal, that's the capital C church. That's the one that the Holy Spirit created that day. And so, why aren't we celebrating that more? See, I don't remember the day I got saved, but I can tell you this. Today could be my spiritual birthday. Because without Pentecost, I wouldn't have a spiritual birthday. See, everybody who says, yeah, I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I've been changed in my nature by the Holy Spirit. Then you had a day of new birth. And if you're like me and that happened once and then gradually continues to happen, fine, celebrate your spiritual birthday on Pentecost Sunday. So happy birthday. And happy birthday to me. And do me a favor, would you? Please, next year, Wear something red on Pentecost Sunday. Just go ahead and mark your calendar now. Put it in your Google Calendar as a recurring annual event. Pentecost Sunday, wear red. Because some of the classiest dressers in this church will show up on the weekend of St. Patrick's Day with a green tie on. And they'll show up around Valentine's Day with something red on. But I don't see anybody else in red today. Maybe a little bit of red here and there, but on purpose. So will you do me a favor? Will you celebrate Pentecost like never before from now on? That would be the best legacy that I could leave behind here.